You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with the sermon this afternoon, which will be Lord's Day 45 concerning prayer, the introduction to the catechism section on prayer. And in connection with that then, we have two readings. The first one is from Luke chapter 11, the first 13 verses. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And our second reading comes from further in the New Testament to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll read the verses 1 through 5. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer, without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism, where we begin the section underneath the bigger title of our thankfulness, we begin the section on prayer. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. 
Moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by Him? First, we must from the heart call upon the the one true God only who has revealed Himself and His Word for all that He has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our sin and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation, that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, one of the most striking things about prayer, one of the most striking aspects of prayer is that we are able to do it. One of the most amazing, surprising things about prayer is that we are able to do it. Just think through the basic dynamics of prayer. What's happening in prayer for a moment? Prayer is interaction between us as believers and none other than God, our Father. A prayer is only one part of this exchange between us and God. Prayer is us speaking to God. God doesn't speak to us in our prayer. We speak to God in our prayer. Prayer is a response, then, to God speaking to us. God speaks to us in His Word, and we respond to Him in prayer. Now, what does God say to us in His Word? Well, God says many things, many amazing and marvelous things to us in His Word. God says in his word that we are his people, a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people belonging to God. God says that we are sinful and needful people, but that he himself is our savior, our redeemer, our Lord, our shepherd, our defender, our rock, and a host of other titles that capture and display God's grace toward us. God says, as a summary of all these relational realities that his word expresses to us, that he is our father, our father, and that we are his chosen, precious and holy people, his children. Some of those realities just settle in. Those are just some of the things that God says to us in his word. And if we allow just those things to settle in and to impact our our hearts and our minds, then we must be pretty amazed. In God's word, we have this steady and infallible. It's all true. You can trust it. 
steady and infallible stream of revelation about God's loving character and about our, about His covenant relationship with us as people. He is not only God in all of His splendor, but He's our God. And so in prayer, we, as God's people, are able to respond to Him. We're able to speak to Him. Unlike any of His other creation, God has made this, this vast, beautiful creation, amazing in all sorts of different ways, but we are unique among all of His creation. In fact, even among all of, of the people that God has made on this world, believers, God's own people, are unique among them. And unique in the same way among all of creation and even among all mankind. We are unique. In that we are able to, to offer to God a conscious, heartfelt, articulate response. God can create a tree beautiful, but a tree cannot articulate its praise and thanks to God in the same way that we can. It's part of the uniqueness that God has made us with and making us in His image that we can communicate. And in the relationship then that God has established with us, we can use that, that gift, that skill of communication and, and willfulness and thought to express our praise and our thanks to Him. That's the dynamic of prayer. God lavishing His love upon us, being our God, and us in response in this beautiful and unique way, expressing our praise and thanks to Him. Yes, this true Godward, heartfelt, articulate response, prayer, is the highest expression of our faith. It is the singularly most beautiful and special thing that flows from our faith. It's the most important part of our thankfulness. It is a beautiful and a unique privilege that we, as God's children, have gained through the powerful work of Jesus Christ. And so this afternoon we consider prayer and how prayer is our conscious, heartfelt, articulate response to God. We'll consider why we should pray, what we should pray for, and how we should pray. So first we consider, why should we pray? Why should we offer God this conscious, heartfelt, articulate response? And to even ask the question seems a bit preposterous, doesn't it? Why should we pray? Well, all the reasons have already been given. God has revealed himself in his word. He's called us to be his people. He's given us the ability to speak and to voice our praise and thanks to him. And yet, you might even be able to offer some significant and weighty reasons why you wouldn't pray. Here's three. You might not pray because you think that you're wasting God's time. Does God need you to pray for things so that he will know about them? The Lord Jesus says that God, that the Father knows what we're going to pray for before we do. 
Before the word is on our lips, he knows. And he knows much better than us what we are to pray for, what we are going to pray for. We might pray for one thing. God perfects our prayers because he knows better than us what we're going to pray for. Why would we burden God's time and and patience and energy speaking about things to him that he already knows better than us? So maybe you might say that we're wasting God's time. Or second, if you were a good student of the canons of Dort and of a passage like Ephesians 1 or many other passages in Scripture, you might say that that prayer is unnecessary because God already has this eternal plan and it's all laid out. God already knows everything he's going to do and, and he established that plan already before the creation of the world and that plan doesn't change. It's God's word. It's faithful. It doesn't change. And so what's the point of praying for for the recovery of, of so-and-so if not only their sickness, but their very life and death and all the days ordained for them are already included in God's plan? So maybe you think you're wasting God's time, and maybe you think everything is already determined. Why pray? Or third, you might think that praying to God is something too high for you. This is the Almighty God that we're speaking about, speaking to. What right have I to come into His presence and say anything? What right do I have to come before the presence of the Most High God to tell him that I'm kind of nervous about the science test that I have this week? I'm not sure how it's going to go, and science has never been my greatest subject, and so could he please help me? He's God. Doesn't he have other things on his agenda, big and amazing things like controlling the universe? Does he have time to listen to our concerns about a science test? So why pray? Is prayer some kind of extra aspect of our Christian lives? Nice to have, but you don't necessarily need it. This morning we talked about the piano. Is prayer kind of like the piano? It's nice to have. Every once in a while we actually we use it too, but you don't actually need it. It's there, it's nice, but you don't need it. Is prayer like that in our Christian life? Well, the Catechism, summarizing the Bible's teaching on prayer, concludes that prayer is is not a waste of God's time. It's not useless. It's not something that's too high above us. In fact, prayer for God's people is absolutely essential. Prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness before God. And so, why pray? Well, there are many different reasons why we pray, why we might pray. In fact, many more than we're going to speak about today. But here are four good reasons why we should pray. In the first place, we should pray because God commands us to pray. God doesn't think it's a waste of his time. God doesn't think he's got better things to do than to hear us. God doesn't say, well, I've already got everything planned out, so don't bother. No, God commands us to pray. Psalm 105 includes a call to pray. That's typical of the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. It's a general statement, a universal statement. Call on his name. Pray to him. David in Psalm 32, again, 
typical of many psalms, says that the godly must call upon the Lord and seek him in their difficult times. Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Then surely when the waters rise, they will not reach him. The New Testament as well offers many commands to pray. The Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 2, which we read together, says, I urge that prayers and intercessions be made. That prayers, requests, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Paul says, do this as the church. The Apostle Paul commands believers to bring their concerns before God. Don't be anxious about anything, he says in Philippians 4, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Taught us to pray in Luke chapter 11. And... He taught us to pray for all kinds of things. He even told us to pray for those who persecute us. I tell you, he said in Matthew 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So prayer is essential in the first place simply because God commands us to pray. Second, God delights in our prayers. God loves to hear the conscious, heartfelt, articulate response of his people. He delights in it. Psalm 86 verse 5, you are a forgiving, you are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call on you. The, the picture is that God's there and he is full of love and he just loves to hear his people call on them and then he, he will pour out his love upon his people once they call on them. He reacts to our prayers. He delights. He wants us to call on him so that he can confer his love upon us through our prayers. Isaiah 65, verse 24, indicates that God shows his desire for his, to hear his people pray by speaking of the sense of anticipation that he has for their prayers. Even as people are offering their prayers, God is, is hearing them. He says, before they call, I answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. God so wants to hear our prayers that he doesn't even wait for us to finish speaking before he's already answering us. He wants us to pray. God's attentiveness to his people, God knowing all of our needs before we even bring them on our lips, doesn't mean that we don't pray to God. In fact, it's quite the opposite as Isaiah 65 indicates. It's a call. It incites us to prayer. It induces prayer to know that God wants to hear us and knows what we need. So God commands us to prayer. God delights in our prayers. Third, God uses our prayers. God uses our prayers for his purposes. Well-known and striking passage from Jeremiah 29. We don't often think of this passage in terms of prayer, but listen to what Jeremiah says there. The Lord is speaking. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. So through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, this is how it's going to work. 
you're going to go into captivity. And then at a certain point, you're going to call to me. You're going to pray. And then I'm going to hear you. And then I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to bring you back to captivity. That's my plan. It's all laid out. And my plan involves you calling on me in prayer. God works out his plan with our prayers included. And thirdly, prayer is simply basically the expression of our worship. Prayer is the expression of our worship. When God made mankind in his image, he made us conscious. He made us with feelings. He made us articulate beings. We were made in his image. We were able to speak and to feel and to think. And therefore, as God has created us for his worship and praise, we express that that worship most uniquely and beautifully when we search our hearts, when we engage our minds, and then when we give expression to our hearts and minds through our lips in worship to God. So why pray? For all of these reasons and many more. Why pray? Because we can. Because Jesus Christ has reconciled to God, to us to God, has put us into this relationship, united us to himself, therefore with the whole triune Godhead, brought us into the embrace of the Father, so that he commands us, so that he delights in, so that he uses and wants to hear our prayers. So, there's many reasons to pray. Now, for what should we pray? What are we to pray about? Question answer 116 mentions two things that we are to pray about. Uh, Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. So there's two things to pray for. And then in question answer 118, it says, What has God commanded us to ask of him? All things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which our Lord himself taught us and then follows the Lord's Prayer. And we will spend several weeks going over the Lord's Prayer and looking at all that God has commanded us to pray for, body and soul, there. And so we'll just have a short summary of things to pray for. And we'll take that short summary from the teaching of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 2. In 1 Timothy 2, he mentions four things to pray for. He says... He urges that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Four different things that we are to pray for are given in this summary. That first word, request, in fact, the first two words in this are are very broad words, requests and prayers. They cover many different things. There are sort of main things that are included in them. And the main thing that's included in the first one, requests, is just like the the English Standard Version, for example, translates it, is supplications. So asking, uh, bringing your request to God in a difficult time, in a situation of need. When you lack something or you're, you're faced with a hardship, then we ask God to help us or to ward off the danger. So supplications, the first place, what do we pray for? We pray for help in a time of need. For example, in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one. We pray for help in a time of need. 
The second thing that Paul says in terms of things that he urges the church to pray for it to offer are prayers. And again, this word covers a lot of ground. One of the main things that this word covers is petitions, what we know as petitions. So prayers for for good things. The first one is, is prayer for help. And the second one then is prayers for good things. The Lord Jesus commands us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Bread is a good thing. It's something we need. And so we're called to to ask God for the good things that we need for life and for godliness. The third thing that Paul mentions praying for is other people. He says, make intercession. You make intercession, you pray on behalf of someone else. You're praying for someone else. So we pray for ourselves in times of help, at times of need. We ask God to give us good things, and we pray for others. Of course, it's not exclusive like that. We can also pray for others in those other situations as well. Our prayer life is no individual exercise, in other words. It's not an individual exercise. We pray all together. In fact, the way the Lord Jesus taught us to pray is to use the word us all the time. Not give me my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. Our prayer life is a community exercise, and it's it's the outworking of our love for our brothers and sisters. And the fourth thing that Paul mentions, urges us to pray for, to pray about, is thanksgiving. Give thanks for all that we receive from God. For the good received and the evils warded off, all the thanks belongs to God. So four things, four fairly easy things to remember, four things that can make up our prayers before God. Now, how might you incorporate this into your prayer life? These four things that Paul urges us to pray. Well, you might remember each of these in every prayer. You might sort of categorize things in your mind according to help, according to petitions, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Or you could divide up your prayers. Suppose you have a a time of prayer in the morning and you have a time of prayer in the evening. Then you could do the first two categories in the morning and you could do the second, the last two categories in the evening. And that way you cover those different areas that God calls us to pray for. However you divide it, it's good to exercise the different types of prayers in bringing our prayers to God. And again, in the in the weeks to come, we'll have much more about what we are to pray for. Thirdly, then, as we offer our conscious, heartfelt, articulate responses to God, how are we to do this? How are we to pray? Now, we're not talking here about the right posture in prayer, the right time for praying, the right way, manner to prayer, even though those would be good things to speak about. Or rather, what the catechism is focused on here in answer 117 is in, in the how of prayer is, is how should my heart be oriented? How should my heart be oriented? Well, in the first place, it says, my heart should be oriented toward God. My heart should be obediently attentive to God's word. That's the way to pray. Attentive to God in the first place. 
that only makes sense. If prayer is a response to God, then we need to then we, we need to make our response to God. We need to be attentive to God, to God's will, to God's ways. We need to respond to God's word. It's no accident that when, for example, we speak about doing devotions, we speak about Bible reading and prayer. Why? Because prayer follows Bible reading. Prayer is a response to God's revelation in his word. God reveals himself in his word, and so prayer and God's word go hand in hand. We need to be attentive to God. We need to be responding to God's word in our prayer. But it's not only an immediate response, prayer is, to God's word, as though we we just pray for the things that we happened to read about on one particular day, but prayer is, is a whole lifestyle. It's a way of living out of God's word. As we constantly are taking in God's word, reading it, hearing it proclaimed, reflecting on it, meditating on it, prayer is our constant, lifelong response to God. As you learn more of who God is and of what God is doing in the world and of how God is intimately involved in your life in general and how God is affecting the lives of those you love and know, As you grow in maturity and knowing and and understanding all of these things, it's only natural that along with that, your prayer life also matures because you're constantly responding to God. And so it's a whole lifestyle of response to God. Now, one aspect of this obedience that's worth noting is that we are attentive to God This is the most holy God that we address, that we come before, and we do come in obedience. But that does not mean that our prayers need to be overly formal or formulaic. They don't need to be overly formal or formulaic. It's It's a heartfelt response. Yes, we can be articulate, but we need not stop ourselves from praying because we are not articulate people. You are articulate enough to pray to God. I was struck by a quote from Zacharias or Sinus, one of the authors of the Catechism, when he writes this about prayer. Private prayer is the intercourse, the discussion, which a faithful soul has with God, asking alone and apart from others certain blessings for himself or for others or giving thanks for benefits received. And then he says, This form of prayer is not restricted to any particular words or places, but oftentimes the heart, when burdened and distressed, gives utterance to nothing more than sighs and groans. Of course, Ursinus is reflecting on the book of Romans, Paul's words in Romans that the Spirit intercedes with us, groans that words cannot express. We don't always need to know exactly what to pray for. Our prayers don't always need to be beautifully put. God calls us to come to him, to come to him constantly, wherever we are. And even if all we can offer to him are our groans as we face a difficult burden. And so in the first place, how we are to pray obediently attentive to God's word. The second how of how we are to pray is addressing ourselves to uh, is also to be humbly aware of our need 
to be humbly aware of our need. Uh, We've mentioned that already several times already. Scripture commands and describes believers calling in times of distress to God. And, And everything in our relationship with God, everything that you understand from God's word about who God is and about who we are and about how God relates with us means, demands that we know our need and misery and that we humble ourselves before God. Our Lord Jesus gave a striking illustration of this need to humble ourselves before God in a situation in which he wasn't even speaking about prayer. Just like that passage from Jeremiah, this perhaps isn't one that we necessarily think of with respect to prayer. But listen to this well-known passage. Listen for what it says about prayer. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, the tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Lord Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you want to God to hear your prayers, in other words, humble yourself before him. But yet, even having said that, That humility needs to be properly understood. Humble, yes, in prayer. But in no way hopelessly desperate. As though we are so low, so humble, that God won't hear us. Yes, humble. But not hopelessly desperate. Yes, humble, but never concluding that we're too weak or sinful or poor to come before God. When we approach God, we are humble, but yet at the same time, we can be full of hope and confidence that God will receive us and our prayers. Why? Because we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's the last characteristic of a prayer that is heard by God of the how to pray. We have to pray confidently focused on Christ. Confidently focused on Christ. This is the approach that that fills out the other ones, that completes them all, and it's the essential characteristic of good, God-pleasing prayer. The foundation upon which we stand when we come before the throne of God is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. If we stand on any other foundation, then we stand on no foundation at all. But if we stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, God hears our prayers. That's what stands at the center of the assertion that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires. Or of what John Calvin, for example, said when he said that prayer is the main expression of our faith. Our faith is centered upon Jesus Christ. And united by faith in Jesus Christ is where we are able 
to speak to God in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And because of Jesus Christ, confident before God. So prayer is Christ-centered in every way. Of course it is. Our relationship with God is Christ-centered. Our knowledge of God is Christ-centered. Our trust in God, our obedience to God, our thankfulness to God. And so our articulate response, our conscious, heartfelt, articulate response to God's grace is a response to God's revelation in Jesus Christ. It's Christ-centered from beginning to end. As we pray on the foundation of Jesus Christ and we offer those prayers up to God in the name of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, because our prayers are Christ-centered, because of who God is and in His grace and giving us His Son, Jesus Christ, and because through Jesus Christ, God has called us to be His people, He's given us the gift of faith, He's given us redemption. Because our prayers are Christ-centered, God delights in hearing them. Let's pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.